Hello, church. It is such a privilege to be able to share with you all today alongside the incredible Amelia for this special Converge Youth and Yorkie Kids Takeover service. The kids and the youth-led worship has been such a blessing today, and we are so thankful to have a church full of life with multiple generations of people who love God and are willing to serve him in so many different ways. My question for you this morning is... Who here loves a good story? One of the things we love at Yorkie Kids in our kids program is a good story. And I'm sure youth love sharing and hearing good stories as well. Last week's Bible story was David and Goliath. Now that is a good story. It is a story that we remember because we can picture ourselves defeating the giants we might be facing in our lives with God's help. Just as Pastor Tim shared last Sunday too. I'm sure I'm not alone in loving stories, especially a story that I can imagine myself taking part in, a story that paints a picture of the world that it is created within, a story that I can relate to in my own life. At the moment, I wonder what our stories would look like if we wrote about the season we have been through, the season we are in right now, or the season we are about to enter. Would the story be something like... Let's think. Once upon a time, I was locked in my house with my three boys. Each of my boys needed help with their remote learning and each of my boys had math problems that were too complicated for this mum to understand. Eventually, this mum was able to remember to a time long, long ago her maths knowledge and they all lived mostly happily ever after. Well, until the next maths topic. Parables are the stories that Jesus told. Like my super brief little story, what Jesus shared was also taken from real life using an accepted and familiar setting to teach a new lesson. Maybe Jesus would have been able to teach me a way to remember maths or a lesson in patience when I couldn't understand how to help my boys. Jesus' lessons often came at the end of the story he was sharing and had an impact that needed time for reflection before action then needed to take place. His parables included the lives of men, women and children, the poor and the rich, the outcast and exalted. Believers would hear the parables, receive them in faith and understanding, even though full understanding took time. From something little like a story with meaning, big things would grow like faith and greater understanding. As you have just heard beautifully read today, we will be taking a look at two of Jesus' parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast, which Amelia will be looking at more closely. These two stories, these parables form a pair and are almost like two sides of the same coin, both describing the growth of the kingdom of heaven, both describing how something little and small can grow into something really big. Now, before we look too closely at the mustard seed parable, it's important to look at where this fits in scripture. These parables are found in Matthew 13, which begins with the parable of the sower in verses 24 to 30. In this story, Jesus describes his true followers as good seed that bears a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. But before the positive harvest, three unsuccessful soils are described. 
Yorkie kids that might be watching, you might be able to help us remember this story and remember where the seed fell. So the first seed, it fell on the path. That's right, the path where birds ate it. Next, the seed fell in between rocks or on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it withered and died in the hot sun. Then it fell amongst thorns and weeds which grew up and choked the plants. This parable suggests that a considerable number of those that had heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, will ultimately respond with something less than fully developed faith. The second section of Matthew 13, in verses 31 to 35, where we read today's parables, to a degree balances out whatever negative picture might have been created in the minds of Jesus' listeners by the description of the unsuccessful soils. This is the middle of the chapter 13, I guess, sandwich, so to speak. And then we conclude chapter 13 with an explanation of the parable of the weeds in verses 36 to 43. The unifying theme that comes through these three passages is the very encouraging promise of first the survival and then the growth of seeds that were planted with very unpromising beginnings. Despite obstacles that might appear to threaten the entire destruction of the crop, these plants eventually produce a bountiful harvest. There is growth in hardship and in all seasons that we face. I don't know about others out there, but I am not a very good gardener. I have no green thumb at all. In fact, I have one indoor house plant that isn't plastic, and it is a miracle that I have managed to keep it alive. But I have had to give my one plant the attention that it deserves in order for it to grow and thrive. Just as Jesus shared in this parable and in the parable of the sower, the small seed is vital to the beginning of growth. But without proper care and attention, the seedling will fade away. With proper care, the reward is a hearty, thriving plant that sustains life and becomes a beautiful paradise for wildlife. While the parable of the mustard seed is brief, in a small amount of words, Jesus compares the amazing growth of the mustard tree with, which developed from the smallest seed planted in the gardens. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of air come and perch in its branches. What a beautiful picture this parable paints. A seed being planted with purpose that grows and, as just mentioned, sustains life and becomes a paradise for the birds that perch in its branches. Does this remind you of the growth of our faith? Faith and personal belief in God begins as a tiny idea, a concept that we are taught as children or maybe even in adulthood. How do we nurture it? Are we able to impact its growth? Seed needs care and attention. It needs water, it needs sunlight, it needs to be weeded and fed. So how do we nurture our tiny seed of faith into a beautiful, life-sustaining plant that leads us to the Father? How do we have faith as small as a mustard seed that we can say to the mountains in front of us, move from here to there and it will move because nothing is impossible with God.
This story of the mustard seed shows us that we don't have to have grown a, a grown-up amount of faith to do, a great, to do great things. Just a little faith is enough. That little bit of faith can help us to share what we believe with someone we love. That little bit of faith can lead us to a ministry where we can use our hands and our talents to share God's love. A little bit of faith can change a friend, a school, a community, and even the whole world. God doesn't expect us to do it all. God is big and strong, and if we have the faith, he will make miracles happen. If we believe even just a little, God will make a way to do the big things that we want him to do in our lives. Both Matthew and Mark explicitly say that the mustard seed is the smallest of all your seed, an insignificant speck of a seed entrusted to the field, becoming a tree. A miracle. From something small, big things grow. Have any of you actually seen the size of a mustard seed? It was recent, I was recently gifted this beautiful necklace that actually contains a mustard seed and the words mentioned in Matthew 7 verse 10 that faith as small as a mustard, with faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing is impossible with God. The seed itself is super tiny. To help with this picture, imagine a coarse grain of sand. That is about the size of this seed. Now have a look at this image of what grows from it. From little things, big things certainly grow. While today we know that the mustard seed is not in fact the smallest seed, it was certainly the smallest that Jews in the first century knew about and planted in any of their fields. But this parable isn't about just a seed that grows into a tree. It's about the growth of our faith and the growth of God's kingdom. Jesus' followers set the world on fire with the message of salvation, which today is shared in nearly all the known languages of the world. The tiny seed sown in Galilee has become a tree which provides shelter and rest to people, people everywhere. The tree is still growing, God's kingdom is still growing, and our faith is still growing. The tree's branches must continue to grow and extend into all of the world which still need the gospel so that everyone can find shelter and rest. And when the gospel of God's kingdom has been shared throughout all of the world, then the end will come and the tree will be fully grown. A little seed, a big tree, faith that is planted and nourished and ready for growth. God's kingdom ready to be spread and to be brought to life. I wonder what this would look like. Still he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Matthew 13, 33. This is the second parable in today's message. And just like the first, it shows that from little things, big things grow. We live in a different time to Jesus though, and many things have changed, 
including the way we make bread. I wonder if you have ever seen your parents bake bread or maybe you've tried to bake bread yourself. Or maybe you're like me and you usually just buy your bread from the supermarket. To help us understand what Jesus is teaching us in the parable of the yeast, we're going to look at how people made bread back in the time of Jesus. And importantly, answer the question, what is yeast? What is this thing that Jesus says is like the kingdom of heaven? So what is yeast? Yeast is a single celled organism and it's actually a fungus. And today we can buy yeast in the supermarket in nice little containers. It's like a dry little, kind of like little seed things. But back in Jesus's day, they wouldn't go down to the supermarket and buy yeast like we do today. They would make their own. And to make their own yeast, people would mix some dough together. So they'd get flour and water, mix it together and make some dough. Then they would put the mixture in a container and they would just sit that to the side for about a week or so to let the bacteria in the air go in it and it would grow yeast, which is a fungus. So after a week of letting that sit there and the yeast grow, they would then make some fresh dough. So they'd mix flour and water together. They'd make up their dough. And then what they'd do is they would get a little bit of yeast from their starter, just a little bit, and they would take some out and they would add it into their fresh dough. And once they'd added it, they would then cook the dough in the oven and they would get a beautiful little loaf of bread. So the yeast's job, I guess, when mixed into the dough was to help it rise. It would feed on the sugar um, that was found in the flour and create little bubbles of carbon dioxide and it would make the bread nice and fluffy and it would let it rise. Without the yeast, if you didn't add yeast into it, you would get something that looked like this. It looks very different to our normal loaf of bread. And this is called flatbread because without the yeast, it wouldn't be able to rise. So that's a little bit about how they made yeast in the time of Jesus. So today we're going to explore what the parable of the yeast teaches us about the kingdom of heaven and why Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to something like yeast. So first, like yeast, the kingdom of heaven starts humbly. Yeast doesn't start out very flushy. As we just learned, it starts out as a fungus, a simple, a simple celled organism. And I don't know about you, but if I put myself in the place of those listening to Jesus, and I knew that he was going to teach us about the kingdom of heaven, I would not expect him to describe it to something like yeast. I would expect him to compare it to something amazing, powerful, and majestic. Something like the kingdom of heaven is like a roaring lion or a vast mountain range or a mighty army. The people Jesus was talking to, I'm sure, were expecting the same thing. See, God's people had spent years being ruled and oppressed by other nations and they were waiting for a Messiah, someone promised by God to come and rescue them. They were waiting for a mighty king to bring them a kingdom that would overthrow their enemies and restore Israel to great power. 
I'm sure they thought of Old Testament verses like Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, where Isaiah the prophet tells us that a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He says that the increase of his government and there will be peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on, and forever. So these people that are listening to Jesus are thinking about this coming of the Messiah. They're thinking that the kingdom of God is going to come in a big and powerful way with a mighty warrior and an earthly king and kingdom. Instead, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a tiny little mustard seed and some yeast. Instead of coming in earthly glory, the kingdom of God came humbly through a baby born in a small, insignificant town called Bethlehem to a young virgin mother, not on a throne, but in a manger, not in wealth, but born into poverty, not as a flashy king, but in humility. And this confused a lot of people in the time of Jesus because they weren't expecting somebody like him. They were expecting a military king who was going to deal with their oppressors, not a saviour king who is going to deal with their hearts. And so, like yeast, the kingdom of heaven has a humble beginning. The second reason Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to yeast is because like yeast, the kingdom of heaven grows and causes others to grow too. In the parable of the yeast, Jesus uses yeast as a positive symbol of growth. While yeast itself is microscopic in size, only a very small amount of it is needed to make a large batch of dough rise. Just like yeast starts small, the kingdom of heaven also started small with Jesus the preacher from Nazareth. Jesus' domain started in an obscure corner of Galilee with 12 men whom he called to follow him. But since its humble beginning, it has grown in size. By the time Jesus completed his ministry and he had been crucified, Jesus had 11 remaining disciples. 40 days later, after his resurrection and ascension, there were 120 people gathered to pray. In Acts 2, those who believed increased to 3,000. And by Acts 4 verse 4, the church had grown to over 5,000 people. At the end of Acts, the gospel had reached a large part of the world and was continuing to spread like wildfire, first in Jerusalem and then all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The humble beginning of the kingdom of heaven, like the mustard seed and the yeast, produced an unaccountable number of believers that continues to the present day. Did you know that as of September 2020, the Bible had been translated into 704 languages? and that the New Testament alone had been translated in an additional 1,551 languages. Other stories had been translated into 1,160 languages. And today, the most popular religion in the world is Christianity, with an estimated 2.38 billion people worldwide believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's 2.38 billion people who acknowledge the kingship of God and proclaim Jesus as Lord. Thirdly, like yeast, the kingdom of heaven exerts its influence from within. Bread cannot cause itself to rise. 
yeast is required for it to do so. See, humanity could not, cannot, and never will be able to save themselves. Our salvation only comes through Jesus. And perhaps this is the whole point of the parable, the transforming power of the yeast. See, yeast is a catalyst for change, and it can transform the whole batch of dough. Yeast is mixed into the dough and works to lighten and soften it and allows it to grow. And I think that this is how God works to transform us too, from the inside out. God first changes the heart of a person. He works to lighten and soften our otherwise cold, hard hearts that are full of sin and selfish ambition. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. As believers, we are transformed by the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Our heart is transformed and changed by the power of God, his love and his forgiveness. And it allows us to grow in our understanding, our faith and our relationship with him. So much so that we come to be governed by new motives. We come to fall under the kingship of God and openly acknowledge his reign and rule in our life. But while it works from within, the internal impact of the yeast has on the dough manifests itself externally. See, the dough with the yeast in it is very visibly different to the dough without any yeast. And I believe that we can see the same effect in our own lives. The gospel begins by impacting us internally, but its impact can be seen externally by others. The working of Christ in us changes how we live and how we act. We act differently and we start to behave differently. We show the fruit of the spirit and we become more forgiving. We love better, care more and give generously. We are transformed. And this transformation of behavior and the way we live our life, the others see, they see it as Christ at work in us. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And so like yeast, the kingdom of heaven exerts its influence from within. Finally, like yeast, the kingdom of God will have a comprehensive effect. Once added to the flour, the yeast permeates the entire batch of dough until every single particle is affected. It doesn't impact just one patch of the dough. It works its way through the whole batch. And once initiated, it cannot stop increasing in power and size until it transforms the whole batch completely. In the same way, God will continue to grow and change us until we have been transformed completely. We cannot expect God to simply impact just one aspect of our life or partially be at work in us. We can't pick and choose which areas of our lives we wish to let God transform. We do not pray that God would come into our lives or our finances, but that he would stay out of our relationships with our spouse, children or our friends. Nor can we say, God, I think I'm generous enough now. We can stop working on that part of myself. Our greatest commandment after all is found in Matthew 22, 37 to 38. It says that our greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. 
not parts of our heart, soul or mind, not just our heart, soul or mind on Tuesday and Fridays. It is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with all of our mind. Finally, like the yeast works until the dough has finished rising, the kingdom of heaven will continue to grow until it is finished. God's kingdom is both the now and the not yet. It's here, but it hasn't fully come. Habakkuk 2 verse 14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And the kingdom of heaven will continue to grow until it has finished. And while today we don't know when that will be, we do know that we have a job to do and a role to play in its growth. The Great Commission is found in Matthew and we read these words. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as believers, we have a role to play in the continued growth of the kingdom of heaven. While we are continue to continue to grow in our own faith, we are also to plant seeds and share our faith with others, to continue to spread the gospel message and see the kingdom of heaven grow, to see an increase in those who believe, those who are transformed by God, and those who love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their mind. The message from today's parables is this. The kingdom of heaven starts, started small and it grows big. This is true for both the external advancement of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, as well as the internal growth and transformation that the gospel has on us as individuals. As believers in Christ, we have been charged with spreading the gospel message with others. Until Christ returns, the kingdom is still growing. I wonder if you believe that today. Do you believe that big things can grow from little things? Do you believe that God can move mountains and change lives with just that little bit of faith that you have? Do you believe that God can use that seemingly small offering to advance his kingdom here on earth? As I was reflecting on these two parables this week, Heather Luttrell and the reverse advent calendar boxes just came to mind as a beautiful example from within our own church community of how big things can grow from something little, from a desire to love others, to serve God, and from a small family tradition came reverse advent calendar boxes which over 3,000 boxes were delivered to our church this week in order to prepare for the upcoming Christmas season. Church, I want you to imagine for a moment if we were a church full of individuals who gave the little we have and asked God to use it to grow his kingdom. That little bit of faith, that little bit of money, that small idea, that God-given gift, that talent. God can take a little and multiply it to grow his kingdom. He's done it before and we believe he will do it again. He took just five loaves and two fish and he fed 5,000 people. He took 12 willing disciples and used them to spread his gospel message around the world. He took a little family tradition and turned it into a way to bless thousands of families each Christmas. 
He took a little mustard seed and made it grow into a big tree. He took a little bit of yeast and made it spread through a whole batch of dough. And he can take your little bit of faith and do big things too. I wonder what it would look like for you today to give the little you have and ask God to use it to grow his kingdom here on earth. Could it be sharing that little seed, that little idea, that dream that God has placed on your heart with someone else? Could it be sharing your faith with those at your workplace? Could it be reconnecting with your small group or your place of worship? Maybe it's sticking to your morning prayer or your morning devotion. Let's be a church who gives back to God what he has given us and allow him to use it to grow his kingdom here on earth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time we have spent today diving into scripture and exploring the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. Lord, we thank you for the way that you would use seemingly mundane everyday life things and that you would use it to teach us about the kingdom of heaven. God, we thank you that you came to us so humbly, Lord, in humility. And we thank you for the way that you use the simple things to teach us. God, we pray this week as we go out into our lives that we would find those moments to spend with you, to give you that little bit of faith, to give you that idea, that thought that has been swirling around in our spirit, Lord. Would we have the trust and the courage to hand that back to you, Lord? And would we see you do amazing things with it to grow your kingdom here on earth? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.